0: You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, My mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I am so excited because I have not one, but two guests, and they just happen to be two very good friends who are coming out with a book together. And so I am going to be having a chat with Junifa and Simone about the Montessori child that is coming out soon. And I just want to say a big welcome to the both of you. And we, we are on three continents, as Simone pointed out. So hello and welcome. And as I always start, because we're two, I'm going to, this is kind of new to me to, to navigate this. I'm just going to maybe ask each one of you to uh, answer my question. So first of all, welcome to the both of you. And I think, Junafa, if you wouldn't mind starting, I always like to ask my guest what their definition of the art of parenting is.
1: Hi, Jeanne-Marie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you and Simone. So for me, the art of parenting, I think, is the process of being with our children of guiding them, of accompanying them. When I think about art, I think about different elements, right? We have lines, shapes, um, texture. And I think parenting or the art of parenting is the same way. We have to observe our children. We have to walk with them. Sometimes we have to be their friends. Sometimes we have to be their model, their guide. And as I think about art too, some of it is messy, Some of it is beautiful. Some of it is colorful. And I think parenting is like that too. It's that journey that you take with your children from the time that you meet them, maybe through birth, maybe through adoption, however your children come to you. And then that journey of guiding them to adulthood and all the beautiful, curvy, straight, (laughs) bumpy paths that you take through that journey. I think that's what the art of parenting is. But all together in the end, it's a beautiful um, composition, you know? Yes,
0: yes, beautiful. At least that's what we hope for. Oh, definitely a beautiful masterpiece. Simone, anything to add to the definition or, or what is your definition of the art of parenting?
2: Well, I think June said it so beautifully um, and put lots of colourful um, imagery to that picture as well. But for me, I guess just the core is always coming back to be the child's guide. As you know, a Montessori educator, you just can't but help bring that into your parenting as well. And I love being a child's guide on their journey. You accept the child for who they are and you're really stepping back to see that they're capable but they need me to be prepared and also have a prepared environment set up for them. So um, I think that I would just add that just as my setup piece, always making sure that I'm being their guide and not their boss or their servant.
0: Perfect. Thank you for that. And Simone, uh, I would love if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to want to write The Montessori Child.
2: Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Simone Davis, and I'm actually Australian but live in the Netherlands. And I came to Montessori Education when my children were very small, and I was looking for um school for them. And, um, Oliver's now 23 and Emma's 21. So that was, uh, yeah, over 20 years ago now, my introduction to Montessori. Um, and I ended up at a Montessori play group with them while we were waiting to join the preschool. And I learned so much there that I started doing the Montessori training and I ended up moving to the Netherlands, opening my own classes and working with families. Um, so I have parents and children in my class and then, from there, I wrote a book called The Montessori Toddler um, because parents were always asking, which book should I read? And I would give them, oh, you can read this chapter of this book and this chapter of this book. And yeah, when I sat down, I made an, almost an encyclopedia of all the information that Montessori educators know um, that we can help pass on to families as well. So. Once I wrote The Montessori Toddler, people asked us to write The Montessori Baby. So Juniper and I had the pleasure of writing that book together. And then it was just a natural transition to then add um, books for the years after. And we were hoping to write The Montessori Preschooler, which I was going to write with Jean-Marie perhaps, um, and then The Montessori Child after that for the six to 12 year olds. But the publisher said, I think one book for the school age child will be enough. So we had the very ambitious project then Juniper and I, to write a book for three to 12-year-olds, which covers a, very, a lot in Montessori world, and, and even there's a chapter, a very dense chapter for adolescents as well, so that we really cover now from three to 18 in this book. It's really exciting.
0: Wonderful, and I, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. That sounds uh, delicious. Perfect. And, and Juniper, would you mind also introducing yourselves and a little bit about your background and how you came to do this work?
1: Sure, my name is Junifa Ozadike. I, I live in Ni- Abuja, Nigeria, with my family, my husband, and four children um, 10, 8, 6, and a baby who's 8 months old now. I started and run a school, Fruitful Orchard Montessori, guiding children from 15 months old till 12. And I actually discovered Montessori by chance. I was living in the U.S. and working in an automotive company, so nothing to do with education. However, my mom had been a teacher all my life, and she was running a school. And so she came to visit me while I was living in the U.S. and wanted to observe at a school. The school that was located close to me at the time in um, northern Kentucky was called Northern Montessori kentucky montessori school and i accompanied her i took her i was her chauffeur to go observe and um i just fell in love like i had never seen anything like it before and something happened i just i just really wanted to know more and so i Started to read more and take courses. I remember I even reached out to Jean Marie at the time. I think that was around 2010. Um, because I was trying to decide, Oh, I love this so much. I think I want to get trained on all the levels. Where should I start? And I think she had taken the zero to three and three to six training at that time. And so she gave me some feedback. And so I just started my journey. I took the zero to three training just before I had my first son and I tried to apply you know most of what I had learned and I just loved how he was growing and the experience of parenting from that place of knowledge and when he before he turned three, I decided to take the three to six um, course, the, the AMI three to six course. And then I took the six to 12 too. And um, I've just kind of journeyed with my children as they have grown or as my first child has grown, but using that that knowledge for all of my children. And so that's the work that I've been doing since I discovered it. Um, <laughs> needless to say, I no more work with cars <laughs> I've now completely focused on guiding parents and guiding children. I actually guide, I currently guide a six to 12 classroom, but I also guide the parents in my community as well as parents that I support um, in different ways. So I just really love this work because it allows me to apply all of my my knowledge, all of my interests you know I get to work with children so I can craft I can read I'm constantly learning and then I also get to su- to support parents and most importantly I get to guide my children with a from a place of knowledge not just based on my own experience but based on what I have learned and then you know I'm able to observe them see modify my process and really walk with them
0: uh, and that has been a blessing for me Beautiful. Thank you, Junifa. And and I actually do remember very distinctly that conversation we had, I think, on the telephone. I was working at the Montessori Institute in San Diego at the time, and you were questioning where to go um, to do your training and all that. And that, uh, I can't believe that's been so long, to 2010. Wow. Wow. Uh, and, and and I do have to say, I, I've met both of you in person uh, separately, but both of you in Montessori conferences. Because, uh, Simone, I think I first got to see you in Amsterdam and then again in Prague. And then, Junifa, we first met in person when you were expecting, I think, your first child in, in Portland. Portland, yes, yes. Yes, I remember that. Beautiful. So for us to get into... Uh, the 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 conversation. So I will I will definitely for for our listeners I will repost some interviews that I've done before with um, either Simone or Junifa cuz Simone has been on the show before. You were actually one of my first guests Simone cuz you're on episode 2 uh after my introductory um episode 2 and and 9 uh talking more about the the young child. And then, Junifa, you've been on the Montessori show with Simone and I, because Simone and I also run the Montessori show in Junifa. When you were doing your ride training, you came on and shared that, uh, that passion with us, which I remember, uh, was delightful. So because we are today kind of talking about this new, Adventure that you have both, uh, gone on writing the Montessori child. I would love if maybe, uh, Simone, you can start with how maybe, you know, what brought you first to, to write the Montessori child? So you, you know, you shared with us that the publishers wanted kind of a continuation, but in, in a nutshell to parents, now that we are dealing with the child that is a three year old. So this is beyond the the Montessori toddler. You you wrote the Montessori toddler, then the Montessori baby. Now we're coming back to the child at three. So we've gone through the toddlerhood and now we're we're dealing with a child. What are kind of some different aspects that parents should be aware of once the child is is you know coming into their conscious, absorbent mind, as we say.
2: Yeah. So that's such a beautiful question. And I should actually say that the reason the Montessori child exists is actually because the parents and caregivers were saying, we want to know what happens next because um, we found it so useful to apply the Montessori approach with our babies and toddlers. Um, So it was actually more coming from them and us telling the publisher, yes, people definitely want this book. Um, So that's kind of fun as well. Um, But it's such an interesting shift. So I work um, in – my classroom. And around two and a half years old, the child starts changing and the parents don't understand. We're just getting used to this toddler years and now it's all different. Because um, in Montessori, we recognize that from zero to three, that's the unconscious absorbent mind. So they're basically taking in the world, like uh, absorbing it like a sponge. They don't need to consciously sit and learn the language they are learning by listening to us and by doing everything around them and by seeing what we do they pick up lots of things and the beautiful environment we have and it's all unconscious they don't have to think about it and then around that two and a half three year old mark all of a sudden they move into from three to six the conscious absorbent mind which means that suddenly everything that they absorbed in the first three years they want to understand concretely with their conscious mind So all of a sudden they might be asking why. So you might actually have a child at home around two and a half, three that's all of a sudden asking why, why is it called that? What is this? And they're asking lots of what's and why's not whys that is super complicated, but they definitely want simple answers and, so the best answer sometimes to the why question is, oh, I don't know, let's find out. Because if we just give them an answer, they often then just say, and well, why that? You know, they just come up with another why at the end as well. Um, the three to six-year-old is still in what we call the sensorial plane. So they're still exploring the world with their hands, um, with their mouth sometimes, all the senses, their eyes, ears. Um, and their taste buds so you know but it basically that means that we still need to have concrete learning materials um we don't need to have a screen still because it's actually better for them to touch things with their hands so even if it was a Montessori app where they're tracing sandpaper letters it's much better for them to actually do that in real life and be able to really experience it um sensorially um and so you start to see that their interests expand and get further and they start to refine everything that they learned in the first um three years. So things like sensorial um exploration starts to be this is rough and this is smooth. This um how does this smell? And they can grade sounds. Um, They're basically able to distinguish the smallest and the biggest. um, And they are getting all the vocabulary as well. So the vocabulary grows, everything keeps growing um and their interest in the world around them continues. And then you get to the six to twelve year old and they move into what we call the second plane of development. And there's an enormous shift because instead of this absorbent mind where they're taking things in like a sponge, they now move into the rational reasoning mind. And this is a very different mind. That's a very powerful mind. And actually the six to 12 year olds are almost the smartest people you'll meet <laughs> because they've got a lot of capacity. Um, and so, all of a sudden they want to have reasons for why we do things so you can't just say because I said so you can't even say that really with a younger child anyway but definitely with a six to twelve year old they're going to take you to task and they also are developing a lot of social relationships they're looking at moral development which is so fascinating like the right and wrongs so for example say you go to church and another family goes to synagogue and another family don't believe in God you know they're wanting to know why because in the first six years they just absorbed what we did in our family and accepted that as normal and then they start to question all of those things in the six to 12 years so there are some of the big changes that you see in the coming years and that's why we went into the book really so that we could start to see how is it the same and how is it different because many of our Montessori principles still apply you know we still observe our children we are still their guides but you interact with these age groups slightly differently
0: Definitely. And you, you mentioned uh, something about the, the planes of development. And I would love, Junafa, if you can maybe expand on that so that our listeners understand what we're referring to when we talk about the planes of development um, in Montessori.
1: So the planes of development are how Dr. Montessori described the way that the child grows and changes as from birth until maturity so it's almost like our children simone mentioned earlier that we're just getting used to our children and then it seems like they change so dr montessori actually from her studies and her observations found that children as they grow change they almost look like or seem like or act like different children as they go from plane to plane and each plane is six years about six years in length so from zero to six is the first plane of development six to 12 is the second plane 12 to 18 is the third plane and 18 to 24 is the fourth plane now the children don't on their sixth birthdays automatically enter into the second plane it's usually um, a phase like a change so some children start moving into the second plane earlier like sometime in their fifth year and some of them actually move in a little bit later so closer to their seventh year in each of the planes the children show different characteristics in the first plane they are more sensorial it's the first plane Simon talked about the absorbent mind. The children really absorb everything in their environment. Their mind is absorbent. They have a sensorial mind. They're learning through their senses. In the second plane, the child, the mind switches a bit. Instead of being sensorial, it's now a reasoning mind or a logical mind where they want to understand. Their focus shifts to more intellectual pursuits. Where in the um. In the first plane, they were more focused on movement, like they're using a lot of physical strength, learning how to speak, how to walk, how to talk, run. In the second plane, they're more focused on they're building their intellectual capacity. Um, In the first plane, they want to know what everything is. They want to know like the names of things. In the second plane, they are moving more to understanding the why, like Simone mentioned. And then in the third plane, they switch again. The first plane and the third plane are very similar because the child is going through a lot of physical and um, psychological changes. You know, in the first plane, they're learning how to walk, talk, um, They their bodies are changing. They grow a lot in those first six years. That happens again in the third plane from 12 to 18 because they start, they go through puberty, adolescence. So there's a lot of changes again. So. Dr. Mansuri felt that not felt, but she um, proposed different kinds of environments for the di- for the child based on all of the things that they are experiencing or how they are changing and the characteristics that they are exhibiting in each of these planes. Um, I wanted to also add that, in addition to the um, some of those characteristics that Simone mentioned, some of the other things that we address in the book um, is that the ch- like the children start to parents start to think also about the children's into like how to read how to write um how to deal with money so some more intellectual pursuits and people also wonder is there a Montessori way to teach them how to do this and so we address all of those in the book i hope that that answers your question
0: Yes, no, definitely. Thank thank you for that. And just uh, and I just want to put it in kind of layman's term because you you said something very important about the the first plane and the third plane being very similar and this is something I often tell parents is that toddlerhood and teenagehood <laughs> are a repeat, right? And that but I know, you know, parents tend to have Maybe a little bit of a difficult time, or I think, you know, toddlers get a, a definitely a bad rap about, you know, who, who they're being, like the, you know, the terrible twos or whatever. But I think if we understand what is going on in toddlerhood, we are much more prepared for teenagehood um, as well. So I just, I wanted to add that in. Um, thank you for, for that, Junifa. And Simone, if you wouldn't mind picking up on, on, you know, the, these different planes, like our, our children are evolving, which is which is beautiful and, and we see that, but I think I'm hearing parents also asking, so what do I do about it? Like how am I supposed to parent differently? Like how do I evolve with my children's needs? Any any words of advice there?
2: Yes. So our favorite thing in Montessori is to observe the child. And so it's to always really give them the benefit of the doubt because a three to six-year-old child will still have a hard time. And so you can still hold space while your child's having a hard time. But when what i find starts working from the age of three to the age of 12 that is slightly different than when you're parenting a young toddler is the agreements that you make you can be much more collaborative in how you set your limits in your home so i find that having a conversation with them at neutral times is much more beneficial than dealing with the emergencies that kind of spring up in the house so you have basically instead of house rules i used to call them house rules but now i use the word agreements because that's what we do in a monastery classroom with the 6 to 12-year-olds. And so basically at the beginning of a school year, you'll – create classroom agreements and everyone will say what's important to you to make you feel safe in this classroom and people will come up with like I don't want anyone to cut me off when I'm talking or you know basically okay well what does what does that mean that kind of means like respect and then what does respect mean to other people and you start to basically write down your agreements and it's a living document so that it might actually change as you realize oh that hasn't covered all the situations or in Juniper's classroom they often talk about caring for others the environment and themselves so it might come up with a house agreement that kind of comes up with that and then if you have two siblings arguing you can kind of ask them oh so what's the agreement that we have in our house about you know for example sharing toys so in our house, we shared by taking turns mostly um, so that if someone was actually really busy with something, they didn't have to give it away because they were wanting to finish it. But if a lot of times they wanted to play together, but basically it always came back with, you know, who was playing with it and then we could come back, well, what was the agreement and how can we solve the problem? So I think that would be one of the biggest shifts that I would have is that really sets just makes life with family and growing children much easier because when the children are involved in making the agreements they're much more likely to stick to the agreements as well and for people who and families that do start to introduce screens for example um, in the second play child those six to twelve year olds then that would be one of the agreements so what's our agreement on screen time and then you don't have to nag them to turn off the the um, the phone or the their screen whatever they're working on um, and also about what you actually do on your screens we always try in Montessori families to make sure that they're active participants that's not passively taking in technology but actually using it for example to learn programming or to code a website or something like creating if they're interested in architecture, maybe using a 3D CAD program to do something like that. So yeah, it's so fun to see how you can apply these Montessori principles, but you're working slightly differently with your child and always finding ways where you can work with them
0: yes and and to me i'm hearing that the word collaborative is is so important and and i see that like when i'm also remembering for the younger age i mean there is a, a collaboration in the fact that you are kind of setting up the environment for them and so forth so it's a different type of of collaboration but with that reasoning mind it's true that we are definitely asking them for, for solutions and, and so forth. So, so love that. Thank you. Uh, Junifa, anything to add, especially since you are in a six to 12 classroom with um, just some, some advice for parents for that age group. Sure. I,
1: I think that recognizing our children's capabilities and their capacities as they grow many times I feel like it it takes some consciousness or some intentionality to start seeing that our children are more capable of doing things as they get older. They're more capable. I mean, like an elementary child, for example, can maybe go into the store by themselves or when, even if you go into the store with them, perhaps they can pay, you know, just giving them increasing levels of responsibility if you're not conscious about it, you might continue seeing them with the eyes that you have always seen them with and wanting to do things for them all the time. So I think like giving the children independence as they grow and then I always say you know I always talk about it when we talk about toddlers how independence is a journey where you start with the child depending on you and then you move to collaboration and then independence and I think that applies in everything that we do with our children from learning how to read Wearing clothes, from learning how to manage money, from learning how to do their homework if they have homework, learning how to prepare for a trip or learning how to prepare their bag for school the next day. So just always um, knowing when it's time to move from dependence to collaboration, and also when it's time to give the children independence. Um, Dr. Mansuri says we should never help a child with something that they think they can succeed at. And there are many times that our children are telling us they can succeed in different ways. So just making sure that we're paying attention so that we're not um, superimposing or, you know, imposing ourselves or imposing our assistance and really giving them the opportunity to to grow in their independence and knowing that it may not be perfect when we first start or when they first start, but they will continue to get better. And we're always there showing them that we're there to support them if they need it, but trusting that they are able to do. And this applies to, I mean, like if we look at our children, there's so many areas in every area, really toileting, now learning how to wipe (laughs) in every area. If I think keeping that in mind helps.
0: Yes beautiful Jennifer and and what I hear you know kind of again and again through your words and same with Simone is that just this notion of being a very mindful conscientious observer because if we are really in tune to how our child is evolving and maybe how we're also reacting to certain situations so being self-aware, um then then it is a a beautiful journey that we you know we don't have to be in conflict with our children which which unfortunately i often feel that parents might feel like that is the definition of parenting and and you know both of you the way that you're kind of explaining these different stages of Evolution in in our children is really being observant to be to just be there as as their guide, as Simone says, to to really be alongside them. So thank you for that, Uh, Simone. Anything you would like to add? And and I would love if you could maybe expand. You said that you kind of went in depth in the book about uh, adolescence and. I know I tend to focus on the children from, from birth to six, but I know I have, uh, you know, listeners who have older children. Any Anything that you would like to add or encourage parents to be aware of during that uh, last plane of development?
2: Yeah, so, well, actually, it's the third plane of development, the 12 to 18, and we didn't get to mention the last plane of development, which is 18 to 24. But That's also fine, so we can talk about both of them. Um, but the eight, the six, the 12 to 18 year old is fascinating. So it's the third plane of development and as Jean-Marie mentioned, that's, um, you know, t- toddlers and teenagers are very alike. Um, Juniper mentioned the big changes that are going on. And so Dr. Montessori describes them as fragile as a newborn. And really when they become teenagers, a lot of parents and adults start to expect so much of teenagers, they expect them to study and all those kind of things. And instead they're actually feeling very insecure about themselves. They're very capable. Like they actually, their minds are super interesting. Like I love hanging out with teenagers, and I actually would love to change the view of teenagers instead of them being, you know, frustrating or rolling our eyes at them. Actually, I would love to hear what you have to say. They want to feel valued. They want to feel like they belong, and we want to make a create a safe space for them. And even though their social lives start to, you know, move more outside of the house, um, being at home and the meal times and connecting with our teenagers means that that strong basis is a foundation that they can then go off and explore the world safely and come back to the nest um, where we connect again. And so if you start mealtimes as toddlers and as babies together, sitting down at mealtimes rather than, you know, having a screen on and they're eating their food and you eat your meal later, when you actually start from young age and you always have meals together, that is so important to glue the family together. It's the time when you can discuss what's going on in each other's lives or just what's going on in the world around you. Um, and it's so fun to hear their perspectives because I'm finding teenagers to be so wise. I don't know if it's because now I've done my Montessori training, did that, you sit and you listen to them and you respect them more than thinking, I know more than this person. They can often teach us a lot about what the world's like today and what we need to know. Um, I think teenagers as well. uh, Basically, I think the thing I learned the most about raising um, teenagers is they're actually that plan of development is to prepare them to be an adult. And there's not many opportunities in our society for these children to be act as adults. You know, we sit in the car and we drive them to sport and they don't actually have many responsibilities at all. And when you see what a Montessori school is like for an adolescent, for example, they have these Erdkinder programs where they go and live on a farm. And they're they're capable of looking after the farm. If a light bulb goes out, if no one changes it, the bulb will stay, you know, unlit. They basically have a budget that is for their food. And if they don't budget well, there's no money left for the food and for the other things. If they want to um, buy a new animal, they have to decide how they're going to feed it, how they're going to house it, um, how they build that housing. And not only are they looking after the farm, but they then do studies around the topics that come up on the farm that are important to them. And so it's actually fascinating to see how capable these adolescents are when you give them the opportunity. So still, yeah, don't do too much for teenagers. Get them involved. And also, if some children get into sport and that can give them meaning, but if your child is starting to suffer from depression or anxiety, one important thing that they could do is they could go out into the community and find something that's important to them. So it might be the climate or it might be LGBTQIA rights or something like this. And they could form a group um, of people and friends who want to raise money for a cause or to do a protest or to um, lodge um, a kind of a paper with the government to make a change. And so they're working then to actually have meaning and something bigger than themselves, not just their schoolwork. You know, that's not the most important thing to a teenager. They want to be able to feel like they belong and make a change in the world.
0: Beautiful. And and it's it's crazy because when you when you were talking, I was I had some flashbacks of being a teenager and I remember some of the activities that I adored and I still remember were actually my volunteer activities going out into the community or I remember in high school, I had a little job after school where I would go to the uh, home for the elderly and read them their mail or things like that. And I remember that was so important to me. Like you say, it was that significance. I I had meaning. So so beautiful. And and again, I hear, you know, through both your your description is this idea of knowing that our children are so much more capable than we give them credit for. Right. When you talk about the toddler, when you talk about the teenager and so forth. And and I will agree with you, Simone, teenagers are fascinating because they're, they see the world differently than we do, right? And we need to be listening to them and and learning from them. So uh, beautiful. Thank you for that, uh, Junifa, Anything that you would like to add about the twelve to eighteen-year-old child? Only that I'm
1: looking forward to it. <laughs> I know that it's um, it's an age that many people are scared of because of all the like Simon said. I feel like teenagers get a bad rap but again just like with the other stages I feel really blessed to have encountered Montessori and to have a different mindset that is um backed by knowledge knowledge from you know the training as well as the experience of Simone you all the people who have gone through that stage um wearing this Montessori lens, like so viewing the children differently with an understanding of what they're going through. And so because of that, I'm actually looking for, I feel like ready. I'm looking forward to just journeying with my children as they go through another phase. I have I've experienced the first plane, the second plane. Now three of my children are actually currently in the second plane. And so I'm looking forward to, to seeing that's, you know, seeing seeing them anew, the new children that will be born as they enter the third plane of development.
0: Yes, and, and soon in your household you will have three distinct planes that you're that you that you as the parent will have to navigate. Through. Right,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Well, I this has been really delightful. Um, I I know we could stay on for for a lot longer because I'm I'm just fascinated with. The not, what we know about children and how we can help uh, caregivers and parents just be a lot more observant and aware, again, like I say, of just children's capabilities that I think if we were all aware, we would, you know, I think we would have a much better time with them. And I, and I also have to uh, kind of emphasize what Simone said about having meals together to me that is so important to uh, start from the very beginning as, you know, as babies, as soon as your child can sit uh, on their own and you can sit with them and you can bring them to the table with you to please have meals with them as often as possible. Because I know for me, you know, as in my journey as a parent, I now have a 27-year-old and 23-year-old. We, we, You know, we've always had our meals together. And to me, that is the way that we have been able to process what is going on in their lives, to be able to support them as they're going through uh, challenges or, you know, exciting news and so forth. And to this day, that is like something that we look forward to. So. I just wanted to throw that out there and just really encourage parents to to think about how they are uh, having mealtimes with their families.
1: Can, can I just say that even if you haven't started when your children were babies, or maybe you started when they were babies and then you stopped, it's okay to just start again. <laughs> I, I I say that because I... I did with my children when they were younger, but then life got busy and, um, I started the school and that just fell off for a while, but then I consciously started again and it has been such, it's, it has been truly beautiful and transformative for us, you know? So I think if, if you have, if you haven't started, don't feel like it's too late, just go ahead and start, um. My children really enjoy each of them has a day that is their day to set up for dinner. And so they, they actually really take care to make it beautiful. Put, you know, some of them put candle candles. Sometimes they'll put name tags or, you know, for each of the sitting um, place arrangements and you can really make it beautiful. And something that you share, it's almost like a little ceremony every day. It doesn't have to be that, it can be simple, but I'm just saying it can be truly beautiful. But don't feel like just go ahead and start. You'll find that it's really enriching and an opportunity to reconnect with your children at the end of the day.
0: Yes, definitely. Thank you for that, Jennifer. Um, anything that you would like to add to- to you know any anything that you feel that you've missed <coughs> saying Simone about these different planes about the Montessori child
2: well I think the one thing that we love talking about in Montessori is practical life activities and some people might think oh they're just for the young children who are you know learning to pour a glass of water and things like that except that like Jennifer was talking about how their capability increases so can the kinds of things that they can do around the home and so that could be um, mowing the lawn for a neighbor and like Jennifer says lighting candles putting them in charge of you know actually lighting a fire if you're camping um, and giving them more responsibility because they particularly teenagers for example this word valorization um, is really important and valor also can have the other meeting meaning which is a bit of danger so you know put them in give them some responsibilities that make them feel important and challenge them as well so um, that's how we can keep including Montessori and practical life activities all the way through those three planes of development.
0: Love that. Don't, don't bubble wrap them, Mm -hmm. right? Let them, let them experience and and do, uh, beautiful things. So I will start, um, with you, Simone, to, to wrap up. I have a a question that I always like to ask my guests, and that is a more, a more personal one. And you mentioned at the beginning that your eldest is 23. So if you were to go back 24 years ago and maybe have wise words that you, you would tell yourself, knowing all that you know today, what would those be?
2: I honestly would just say, enjoy the experience because I got things wrong. And that is part of the learning process. And so just to embrace the process. um, So I wouldn't give myself any advice at all, but just let myself go through the highs and lows of everything that I learned, because I think it's just been a beautiful journey. And yeah, very Happy to have been able to navigate it and just take every lesson as a lesson, as opposed to that I got it right or wrong.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And Junifa, I'm going to change it up a little bit for you because you mentioned you had a ten-year-old and an eight-month-old. So, is there a? Are you approaching this? Um, newest child this youngest child differently than your 10 year old like you've you've you know you've grown in in experience in knowledge and all this do you have maybe a different approach to your parenting with your youngest
1: in in some ways because my life now is completely different from how my life was with my first. He was the only one. I wasn't working. I was, you know, present in different ways, and not. Uh, now I'm working. I have other children, so in that way, it's a little bit different. But I think the mindset is similar. Um, I think what's different is that my focus is on the things that really matter. I prepare the environment, but I'm not present to curate it as perfectly as I did with my first but I do give her freedom to move I make sure that the environment is beautiful I value the time we spend together and I see that she's learning as much from her interactions with me and her siblings um as much as as my son too was learning just from the environment so in that way it's different and I think that I'm not worried so much because I know that you know with love, trust, she will. She will be. You know the whatever the hard times. So right now, she, for example, she's teething and she's crying a little bit more than normal. But I know that it will pass. You know, I just there's this knowledge or this certainty that comes from experience. Just knowing that whatever it is you're going through, even the hard ones, they'll pass. So your child is not sleeping through the night; they'll eventually sleep you know your child is not doing whatever you think they're not doing or they should be doing it will pass so just enjoy make sure that you're being as present as you can be um having moments of connection having times of connection and just like simone said enjoying the journey all of the parts that seem really challenging i find that they eventually do pass and um it's just our, how we approach it, our attitude to it. And so it, I feel like my attitude is so much better now because I'm not taking it personal. <laughs> and I, I know you always say that, that, you know, what, however your child behaves, don't take it personal. They're not doing it to offend you. I feel like it was from you. I heard that first. I feel like I know that on a deeper level now. I knew it in theory when my child was my first, my 10-year-old was a baby. So even though I knew it in theory, I feel like sometimes I did take it personal, consciously or unconsciously, but now I really don't because I know that, you know, they're just going through their process.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that, Jennifer. Um Simone, any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with?
2: What can I say more than just enjoy your children, observe them, let them become the people that they were put on the planet to be, um, rather than wishing that they would do other things. Um, and yeah, be on their side, like John marie was saying, like we're on their team, not sitting across the table from each other, but we're actually trying to always work together um, to come to solutions. And sometimes they're even better
1: solutions than we could have imagined.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Juniper, anything to add today?
1: Same thing. I think just enjoy the time goes by fast. I mean, I was just listening to Simone saying her children's ages and you two saying your child is 27. And my I remember just like yesterday when I had my first and now he's 10. And I was just thinking to myself, one day I'll be saying, Oh, he's 27 and my daughter is twenty-five, or the time really does go fast. So just make sure that you're enjoying them, affirming who they are you know, like just letting go of all your wishes and seeing, if you open your eyes, you will see that each of our children are truly unique and different. And we can focus on those things that make them who they are, those things that are good and positive, because whatever you water, is what will grow. So if we can look for the flowers in our children's lives or in our children's personalities and behaviors, and water those instead of the weeds, the weeds will die off. So just enjoy and focus on the good.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to the both of you for making the time to be here. We're on three different continents, and a big congratulations for your latest book, *The Montessori Child*.
1: Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
0: Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parents if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, Declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony. And find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be these modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com TPS enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.